and welcome to day two of our 10 days of terror, Halloween, spooky, scary extravaganza. Ooh. I'm Kat and today I'm going to tell Taylor. That's me. A spooky urban legend, true crime story that she's never heard before. Yay. I hope she's never heard before, otherwise I'll just ruin the whole thing. <laughs> she's going to pretend she's never heard before. Look, even if I had, I've got a terrible memory, so I've probably forgotten it all anyway. <laughs> You're good. Okay. That's good. So today I'm taking you all to Staten Island, Ooh. one of the five boroughs of New York City. It's fair to say Staten Island has a pretty bad rep. It was once home to the biggest rubbish dump on the eastern seaboard. It was a site favoured by the mob when it came to dumping and disposing of bodies. And it was rumoured that this trash heap could be seen from outer space. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> Probably. That's a separate ur- urban legend. Probably not super accurate. But I have to say, the first thing that I think of when you say Staten Island is landfill. Which is <laughs> probably bad. Yeah, and also I should say you you lived in New York City at one point and you've still never been to Stan, so I haven't. I um uh, I know that it's a good a good a good ferry trip that's free, but I never got around to doing it. So Yeah. And I've never been, so that's my excuse. I've never been to New York City. <laughs> um it's the third largest of the five boroughs, but it's also the least populated with just under half a million residents. And many of those residents refer to it as the Forgotten Borough because they feel it's been left behind by the city's government. Due to its large size and small population, the island has a lot of parks and green spaces. Even these come with their own tragic backstories. Mm-mm. The central green belt which runs through Staten, was once home to a tuberculosis hospital and the Willowbrook State School, which was a sort of live-in school slash hospital for children with learning difficulties and extra developmental needs. And it was something straight out of American Horror Story, but more on that later. Ooh. So we're really not doing Staten any favours here. <laughs> it does have a lot of upsides. It was said it's got a ton of parks and outdoor spaces and it's always been super cheap to live. What you'd pay for like a pokey shoebox size bedroom in a shared house in Brooklyn or Queens, you can get a whole one bedroom apartment to yourself in Staten and probably with a bit of outdoor space as well. But because it's so far removed from the rest of New York City with a quieter pace of life, plenty of outdoor spaces... It did actually, at one point, it was actually seen as a good place to raise a family. And for this reason, families began to flock here throughout the 1950s and 1960s. But, like many places popular with young families, Staten Island had its very own boogeyman. Boogeyman, however you wish to pronounce him. Boogeyman, boogeyman. Yeah. On Staten Island, his name is Cropsy. And like all good boogeymen... He was a way for parents to get their children to behave. Don't wander off or Cropsy will steal you. Be back home by nightfall or Cropsy will get you. <laughs> Don't go anywhere alone or Cropsy will get you. If you go into that abandoned building or that empty house, Cropsy will snatch you away. So basically, don't do anything or Cropsy will get you. Yeah. 
basically like play on the on the sidewalk outside your house in the in the pool of a street light yeah that's <laughs> it cropsy was supposedly um a patient who had escaped from the willowbrook state hospital and now lived in the tunnels beneath the building Ugh. his appearance varied sometimes he was simply a man in other versions he had a hook for a hand some he carried an axe but in pretty much every variation of this urban legend, Cropsy was somehow connected to Willowbrook. Willowbrook, as I said, was originally a live-in school slash hospital for children with extra developmental needs or mental health problems. And at some point it expanded to also take on um, adult patients. In 1972, an investigative reporter named Geraldo Rivera exposed the horrendous conditions of Willowbrook in a documentary named Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace. The documentary reveals that the institution housed more than 6,000 residents, despite only having capacity for 4,000. The living conditions were horrific. Cleaning was pretty much non-existent, and sexual and physical abuses were rife. There are also reports of unorthodox practices used by medical staff at the Willowbrook. But despite this, it didn't fully close until 1987. Jesus. But it had slowly been emptying since 1983. Mm. Below the hospital was a large network of tunnels. As is the case in a lot of these old sort of plague era hospitals. Because it was how they got rid of the dead bodies without infecting everyone else. Yeah. In the building was through a series of tunnels. So that's why Disneyland has tunnels, right? Or Disney World? Does it? I've never been. I don't know. Disney World uh, in Florida is built one story above ground level and the entire park has a whole series of tunnels and like an underground city beneath it. So that's where they take the dead bodies, right? I mean, that would make sense. You don't want to see. if someone, Even if someone dies of like a heart attack or natural causes or something, you don't want to see that at Disneyland. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it's really more for like so children don't see Mickey Mouse without his head on. Actually, yeah. Mickey Mouse without her head on because Mickey Mouse is always played by a woman. Really? It's cuz uh height height requirements. Mm. Hi. I'm full of fun useless information. <laughs> well, neither of us could ever work at Disneyland. Nope. We've both got tattoos and piercings. So. Yep. We're not, not regulation. No. You can't even, someone told me you can't even have like just your earlobes pierced. You, you can only have your earlobes pierced, but I think, I think like men can't have pierced ears. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Disney. Tunnels, asylums, Disney World, all the same. (laughs) So, as we said. Below the hospital, large network of tunnels. And even when the hospital was still open, there were rumours and urban legends about people escaping the hospital and living in the tunnels below. When it was finally closed, like all abandoned buildings, it became a safe-ish place for homeless people to shelter. Hmm. And so the rumours began about the area and its inhabitants. And Cropsy was one of those who supposedly lived in the tunnels. As most of the kids growing up on Staten Island became teenagers and adults, 
They all assumed Cropsy was just a myth, something that parents made up to keep them from wandering off while playing in abandoned buildings, which is fair enough. <laughs> that was until 1987. So this is the year that Willowbrook actually closed for good, finally. There was a brutal child murder, which made it clear there was a bit more to this urban legend than simply a cautionary tale that springs up around every mental health facility. In July 1987, Jennifer Schweiger, a 12-year-old girl with Down syndrome, disappeared from her home on Staten Island. The search for Jennifer lasted 35 days and sadly ended with the discovery of her body in a shallow grave in the old grounds of Willowbrook State School. Around the time that Jennifer went missing, a local man named Andre Rand had also been seen in the area. He'd been questioned following her disappearance, but nothing could be proved and he was released. But upon the discovery of Jennifer's body, he was questioned again and rearrested. Rand was tried in 1988 on charges of kidnapping and murder. And although the jury couldn't decide on the murder charge, they did find Rand guilty of first degree kidnapping. He was sentenced to 25 to life and would have been eligible for parole in 2008. The mysterious man who stalked the streets of Staten Island suddenly had a name and a face. So... Andre Rand was born Frank Russian in March 1944. Nobody seems to know where the name Andre Rand comes from. Although, according to his sister, both of them had a fairly normal childhood in that there was no abuse or ill treatment that is often seen in serial killers or serial abusers. But their father died when Rand was 14 and their mother was institutionalised at a mental health facility in Brentwood, New York State. In the documentary Cropsy, which is on YouTube, we will link it in the show notes. His sister is interviewed. Her identity and everything is completely hidden, but she tells filmmakers that Rand is very manipulative and that she believes he's manipulating those who contact him. In the 1960s, he worked at the Willowbrook State School as a janitor, an orderly, and a physical therapist. <laughs> That's a widespread are these at different times or all at once see we're not sure because the dates that records are still really <laughs> sketchy no one seems to to know um yeah either that or they're just so understaffed that they've got if you can hold everything. them up you can rehab a leg and like i said we're not entirely sure of dates but i think i think it was the late six 1960s Rand attempted to kidnap a group of 11 children from outside of the YMCA in Staten Island. He drove a school bus and managed to lure the children on board, drove them to Newark Airport, bought them all lunch, but then gave up on whatever his plan was. Nobody really knows what he was planning to do with them after he bought them food, but whatever it was, he gave up. That's, I mean, in terms of kidnapping plans, A, ambitious, 11 all at once. Yeah. And successful. On a school bus. On a school bus. Like, brilliant. Terrifying. But brilliant. Uh, yeah. Real lucky that he just decided, no, never mind, y'all. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you teach kids not to go off with strangers and stuff, but if your kids get the bus yeah. to school. And sometimes you get, like, different bus drivers for the day or whatever. It wouldn't be that crazy. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that's, that's what's yeah. going on, really. 
He was quickly apprehended and ended up serving 10 months in prison for attempted kidnapping. Of 11 children. Yeah, that's not even a month for each child. right? Again, details are sketchy, but following his release, it seems that Rand became a bit of a drifter. Uh, I couldn't find any information on him settling anywhere or really working anywhere. So by the time that Jennifer Schweiger went missing, Rand was living in a makeshift kind of campsite in the grounds of Willowbrook. It was rumoured that he was leading a cult whose members consisted exclusively of other homeless people living in and around the grounds of the old hospital, which by then, you know, was in the process of being closed down. There were also rumours that a satanic cult called the Church of the Process were operating on Staten Island and that Rand was, quote-unquote, supplying the cult with children for sacrifice, abuse and trafficking. These are all rumours. Nobody really knows for sure. So a local minister was interviewed in the film Cropsy. He knew Rand and he says that Andre Rand believed that children with mental disabilities shouldn't be allowed to live. And as we said earlier, Jennifer Schweiger had Down syndrome. So if the minister is correct, Rand was on a mission to kill those with disabilities or extra uh, educational needs. And that is why he kidnapped Jennifer and allegedly murdered her. Jesus. Yeah. None of it makes sense. It's horrible. Yeah. When Rand was convicted for the kidnapping of Jennifer, police began to look at a series of other unsolved child murders and disappearances in Staten Island to see if any of those could be connected to Rand. They found four other murders or disappearances of young people in Staten Island from the 70s and 80s, which they could connect to Rand. In 1972, five-year-old Alice Pereira disappeared whilst playing with her brother in the hallway of a building and no trace of her has ever been found. In 1981, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes was sent to the store to buy a bar of soap, but failed to return home and has never been seen since. In 1983, 11-year-old Tahis Jackson went to the store to buy food, but failed to return home. She was last seen near the front door of a local motel. And in 1984, 22-year-old Hank Gaffario failed to return home one night. And although he was legally an adult, he was classed as vulnerable and had learning difficulties. He was last seen at a local diner with Andre Rand on the day he disappeared. That's a lot of, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Andre Rand was questioned about all four of the disappearances, but could only be charged with one. In 2004, he was found guilty of kidnapping Holly Ann Hughes. The day she disappeared, Holly Ann had gone to the store for a bar of soap. But she was five cents short, and the shop owner wouldn't let her have it. And for that reason, the day sticks in the minds of others who were in the store. Mm. Although nobody offered her the five cents. Cheap bastards. I know, right? Everyone's like, oh yeah, I remember because she had to go home without the soap because she was five cents short. It's like, it's one bar of soap. Come on, guys. Like, nobody had five cents to help her. Come on. After leaving the shop empty-handed, she was seen talking to Andre Rand, and that is the last known sighting of her. Her body has never been found. Rand had 25 years added onto his sentence. He'll be eligible for parole in 2037. He'll be 93 years old. Jesus. From what I can gather, the urban legend of Cropsey has kind of died out in Staten Island since Rand's conviction in the 1980s. Although 
as with everywhere, there will always be a mythical boogeyman parents invoke to get their children to behave. Although, oral storytelling is dying out due to the internet age because you can fact check pretty much everything now. Just takes the fun out of everything, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So, that is the story of Cropsy, the boogeyman of Staten Island. See, I think this story is really interesting because it does it takes that like common urban legend even to the point of like you mentioned in the beginning that some versions of the story say that he has a hook for a hand and like that to me is the most like iconic um boogeyman story the one with the hook for the yeah. hand and and then he you know the hook ends up on the car door handle like that one yeah it's a um, very i want to say candy man but then i don't know if that's the one i'm thinking of but yeah it's in like every slasher yeah film has some variation on the you know the hook for a hand they have a mask or they're disfigured in some yeah, way and like so it takes that like this very like archetypal you know thing in storytelling and then it's like but actually it was real like there was a guy and like i think that's really interesting because how many other times was there actually a guy just wasn't found yeah that's that's another thing i mean you say every everyone has Maybe not so much our generation, but up until like maybe the 80s or 90s, there was always, you know, this mythical yeah. boogeyman. There was always a serial killer on the loose or an escaped, um, uh, pa- like a patient escaped from a psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital or something like that. So there's always been these kind of legends and this one suddenly came to life. Was a re- yeah. was real. Yeah, exactly. And like we said, he was only convicted of the two murders. It is believed there's at least three more yeah who he he killed but they can't uh they can't prove it so he's now in his early 70s very likely he will die in jail so that's probably good yeah yeah what's interesting is in the the documentary cropsy is they show the pictures from when he was arrested he looks quite vulnerable himself like he's drooling he looks confused he doesn't know what's going Mm. on which obviously does not excuse anything that he did but you know, it, it's just an example of another failing of system, the mental health yeah. system in countless countries. Yeah, see, I think I have started to watch the documentary several times, but just never finished it. Because I, like, I remember all the boogeyman stuff, kind of. Like, I remember sort of the idea of the legend, right? But not, Yeah. don't remember the rest of it. So it's interesting. Yeah, because the filmmakers, I mean, they also made, you know, it was on Netf- came out on Netflix early this year, um, Lost Girls, about the Long Island serial oh, killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Murder Mountain, mm-hmm. they made that. But they also did a series on urban legends, which I can't find anywhere yeah. anymore. I think it was on Prime at one point, but I can't find it now. And that's kind of how I sort of stumbled onto it. And I was like, oh, this is weird (laughs) to say the least (laughs) that documentary does essentially say you know 
Andre Arendt was Cropsey and that's that and it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So But what if he does? Who knows? There could have yeah, there could easily have been someone else. Well, that's the thing, like, so many of these sort of, like, boogeyman urban legends, like, the unfortunate thing is there are people like this out there and that it, that yeah. this does exist, obviously not necessarily to the extent and extreme that is often portrayed in, like, the media or, you know, the whole stranger danger situation that happened at that whole yeah. moment in time. But, like, they come from a grain of truth, as is evident oh, here. yeah. So there's a, a series. It's on Netflix. It was originally either BBC or ITV. Um, it's called Whitechapel. So it starts with essentially a copycat killing of Jack the mm -hmm. Ripper's. Uh, five canonical victims as it goes on there's like they basically use like crime history to see how different crimes were dealt with and it's really it's like all drama and everything there's as far as i know no truth to it but they talk about one there's like one case i think it's like the third series and they, they are talking about like a boogeyman because in that one the variation they use is called bloody bones mm -hmm. and at one point one of them says you know there has to be something that started it like a horrendous child murder yeah, or something yeah. like that because it has to come for something of course it gets distorted and exaggerated and everything like that but, but the idea has to come from somewhere the idea yeah does come from yeah. somewhere See, that's what i always feel like about like supernatural stuff like like magic and 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 witches and vampires it's like who came up with this like it has to come from somewhere Oh like, yeah, but it's like um, you know, pretty much every civilization has its own version of like a dragon. Yeah. But these, you know, all these ancient civilizations didn't actually have any contact with each other that yeah, we know yeah. of. Yet there's the idea of like a fire-breathing, flying, scaly being. So what the fuck was flying around this the skies back then? Like, I don't know. I I just yeah. I love to think about that. So that is the story of Cropsy. And we're actually tomorrow, which is Taylor's episode, we have a lot more on story oral yes, storytelling yes, that we legends. that we ramble about. So that's very yes. interesting. So look forward to that coming to your headphones soon. And yeah, we'll see you tomorrow for that. Thank you all very much yep, for listening. Thanks so much. Bye bye. bye.